0: Hey, good morning, Equippers Essex. It's just so great to be with you. I know you've had a brilliant week celebrating your pastor, who is now half a century old. Can you imagine that? None of us can believe it. He's got the Peter Pan anointing, and uh, you know it's something I carried on for many years, and now I've passed it on to him. So hopefully he'll pass it on to others, whoever he lays hands on. But it's just a, it's a real honour to be with you guys. Uh, thank God for technology that allows us to do this kind of thing. Uh, In a a way, I wish I was with you in person because your response is just so encouraging to me, but I've learned to develop a faith perspective with these uh, kinds of preachings and uh, I just know you're gonna be responding in your hearts and so that really is good enough for me. Uh, I know you've been doing a series about influencing and influencers, and having influence and so I really wanna carry on um, with that theme today and just unpack a story for you that I think is significant in the Bible and it's, I think it's going to help you uh, in your journey of faith and positioning yourself to be all that you need to be for God's purpose today. Uh, the title of my message this morning is The Influence of a Nobody. The Influence of a Nobody. And so I'm gonna unpack this story that's in the Old Testament for you and and we'll look at this. You know, I think we live in a culture where people today desperately desire recognition. A lot of young people pursue fame. Uh, One of the reasons that they have Instagram accounts or they're posting selfies is they love the idea that someone else looks in and gives them a like or gives them some form of recognition that gives us a little bit of dopamine, serotonin, all those lovely chemicals that shoot off in our body that make us feel better about ourselves. But sometimes in the Bible, we focus on people who are just unnamed and unsung heroes. They do things of significance and it has an impact but somehow they're way, way in the background there. We would know nothing, for instance, about the two uh, women in Israel who were the midwives that spared the lives of all those children because they dared to disobey the voice of the king. Hebrews 11 talks about that. Unsung heroes who actually do tremendous things. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it's the story of Naaman. And uh, as I unpack the story, I'm actually not going to focus on Naaman. He is named. I'm going to focus on someone else in this story who has a deep impact on his life. And so we're just going to read the first four verses. It goes like this. Now, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Israel, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Now, just think about that for a moment. Normally when we think of people in positions of power, like a president or a prime minister, or a king or a queen, we look up to them. But here's the king who looks up to his commander. In other words, this is somebody subordinate to him, but he holds him in great honor. And the reason he did this is because by him, The Lord had given victory to Syria. Now already that poses a theological question for me because, hang on a minute, Syria was one of the enemies of Israel and Syria was attacking Israel. But God gave victory to Syria through the hand of Naaman and they defeated the nation of Israel. That's that's something that... uh, The Old Testament prophets really struggled with Habakkuk for instance he struggled with it Habakkuk was saying to the Lord in his first chapter Lord you've seen what Israel's doing you've seen how they're rebelling you you've seen how they're sinning aren't you going to do something about it and God turns up in the end of the chapter and he says yeah I am going to do something about it I'm actually going to send the Assyrians along and they're going to judge Israel and and then Habakkuk goes "Whoa, whoa 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 hang on a minute hang on a minute, how can you do that? He says, I know we're bad, but we're not as bad as them. How can you use somebody worse than we are to judge who we are? And God basically says, I can do what I like because he's teaching them a lesson. And so here we have Naaman, this commander of an army, a a successful man, a great and honorable man in the eyes of the king. He was also a mighty man of valor. So he's a brave man, he's a courageous man. He's not afraid to get involved in the nitty gritty of fighting battles. But there's one thing about him that is not so great and that's he's a leper. He's a leper. Now, leprosy is, is a terrible disease. You know, when the Bible talks about leprosy, it, it, it actually covers all kinds of skin diseases in the Old Testament. And the thing about skin, first of all, it's the largest organ, by the way, in your body. skin is an organ it's the it's the barrier that protects you from a hostile world that's actually trying to destroy you and so it it's a protection against infection and hostility from out there but when you're a leper that barrier starts to break down and it leaves you with all kinds of things that become very visible to people you know anybody who's got any kind of skin condition it has a tremendous impact on their self-perception and their sense of personal dignity and their sense of personal worth. So here's a guy, he's courageous, he's, he's four battles, he's won victories. And it says, the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. And then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who's in samaria that's talking of elisha he would heal him of his leprosy and naaman went in and told his master saying thus and thus said the girl who's from the land of israel here's what i love about this story if you read the whole story Naaman ends up going, he he gets the king to write a letter to the king of Israel. He goes along to the king of Israel and he says, you know, I've come here so that I can be healed. The king of Israel tears his clothes. He thinks this foreign king is just trying to provoke me because he wants to battle. He knows I won't be able to heal this guy. Elisha hears that the king has torn his clothes. He says, why are you worried about this? Send him to me. Let him know that there's a prophet in Israel. Naaman goes along to Elisha and Elisha doesn't even go out to greet him or meet him. Now, somebody who's held in great honor and great esteem. You know, it, it's, imagine you're a film star. People always want to talk to you. They want your autograph. They want to see you. They want to do a selfie with you. And Elisha the prophet says, yeah, I'm not interested. It's like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> you know, that's a little, little bit of rejection there. And uh, he sends out his servant instead to, to talk to Naaman. And says, "Yeah, if you want to be healed, dip seven times in the Jordan River," and you can. T- Naaman is deeply offended. Deeply offended. I, I think. I think the offense began when Elisha himself wouldn't come out, and I think he was expecting some kind of hocus pocus or some kind of mysterious thing to take place, and. Uh, And he goes what go in the jordan river he goes there's rivers in damascus that are cleaner than that river why should i do that and he's going off in a huff he's deeply offended and one of his servants comes to him and says hey master listen if he'd asked you to do something really difficult wouldn't you have done it How, how much easier than just wash and be cleansed and so naaman does it you know he dips seven times in the jordan river he comes up his skin is just like a baby's skin, completely healed. Now, all of that takes place and he becomes a believer in the God of Israel. It's actually his conversion experience. And he goes back to his master and life is different for him because he's completely healed. Now, here's the thing that I want to unpack to you about the influence of a nobody. In this entire story, this young girl is not named. I find that significant. We don't know who she is. The only thing we know is that she's from Israel. And so here's my first point I wanna make to you. Who we are is not as important as what we do. Who we are, is not as important as what we do. You know, we live in a culture where people want to make a name for themselves. In Genesis 11, they built Babel, and that's exactly what they said, let us make a name for ourselves. And there are people who have this desire, I want to be known. This girl is unnamed, but she's known by God. Do you know, Sarah had a slave girl. We would never know her name if that young woman hadn't run away. Because when she ran away, in the desert, God spoke to her. And it's the first time we hear what her name is. Her name was Hagar. But if you read the Genesis account, Abraham and Sarah never call her by her name one time. They simply recognize her as a slave girl. And here's the point I want to make to you. When God speaks to Hagar, he calls her by name. See, Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them by name. The most important thing is not that people recognize who you are, but that God recognizes who you are. Do you remember the story in the book of Acts where the seven sons of Skeva tried to cast out a demon and they, they, they adjure this demon um, according to the Jesus whom Paul preaches and the demons st- start to tear these young men and kick them apart and, and they begin by saying this, Jesus I know and Paul I know but who are you? In other words, the significance is not that you're known by the world, but you're known by heaven and by principalities and powers and by angels and demons. In other words, there's something about who you are, your character, your person, your love for God that makes us significant in heaven. And this young woman, it's not who you are that's important. It's what you do. Now of course what you do comes out of who you are, but it's who you are in God, not who you are in the world. And so often I think we are trying to convince people that we're somebody's. Listen, maybe you're somebody who serves in church and you never get the platform. You're the technician who sets up. You're the sound guy who's there. You're doing lighting. Maybe you're the person who sets up All the equipment puts out the chairs maybe you're somebody who's in the kitchen and provides hospitality maybe you're somebody who's on the door and you're the person who greets and welcomes when all of that is happening nobody knows your name but God knows your name who you are is not as important as what you do see this young woman she was young she was female She was in a foreign country having to learn a foreign language. Not only that, she was a slave. She lived at a time when her influence as a young woman who's a slave from a foreign country, a power that's been overtaken by your country, she had virtually no value within that context other than the value of her serving. And yet. She found value in her relationship with God. And in her relationship with God, that gave her a sense of personal value. Here's the second point I want to make about this young woman. Her circumstances did not limit her influence. And so the point I want to make to you is your circumstances don't necessarily limit your influence. In fact... They helped to define it. Let me say that one more time. Your circumstances don't necessarily limit your influence. They helped to define it. Now imagine you're this young woman and you've been taken captive. You've lost your family. You've lost your homeland. You've lost your freedom. No doubt there was a period where she grieved all of those things. No doubt there was a period of sadness. But she learned to move on with her life. Do you know, it's amazing to me during the lockdown when I talk to different people. There are some people who have embraced the lockdown and have moved on and there are some people who are just, it's almost like they're on standby. Do you know like when your TV, when you finish watching the TV but you put it on standby where if you start it up again it'll happen very very quickly but it's on standby God doesn't want you to live your life on standby God wants you to understand it's not your circumstances that limit your influence this young woman's influence was simply that she spoke to Naaman's wife she didn't even speak to Naaman She didn't even influence him directly. She influenced him through an intermediary, his wife. And she just made an amazing statement. If only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. That is a confession of faith. That is a confession of her belief in the God of Israel and in Elisha the prophet. I wonder what our testament is like. I wonder what sort of things we say when we're in our place of limitation, when we're in our place of constraint. You see, I think the hardest thing to do is accept limitations. It's the hardest thing to accept a limitation. Jesus in Philippians chapter two, when Paul is speaking of Jesus, he outlines all the limitations that Jesus said yes to. Now imagine, Uh, All things were made by him and without him nothing was made that was made. John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. So here's Jesus, the creator of all things, the the center of worship in Revelation chapter 5. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the supreme king, all things were made by him and, and all things were made for him and through him and to him. And yet in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus embraced the limitation of becoming human. Can you imagine that? It says, even though he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, he laid aside his glory. He, He put everything to one side and he accepted the limitation of becoming human. Not only that, he then accepted the limitation of becoming a servant. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable he was born in a place of tremendous humility that's our jesus he accepted that limitation and then he grew up in nazareth he he basically grew up in a slum city but then finally at the age of 33 i remember i remember when i turned 33 It was a year where I pondered more than any other year of my life about the significance of Jesus dying at 33 because at 33 you feel young you're vibrant you're strong you're at the peak of life and Jesus accepted the limitation that he would not choose when he would die but rather he embraced death on a cross so so you see those limitations becoming human becoming a servant dying on a cross all of that is about constraint and yet Jesus was able to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God for his life friends I'm, I'm saying to you your circumstances don't necessarily limit your influence they help to define it Paul wrote these words in 2nd Timothy 2 9 he, he's talking about when he's in prison and he says, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. I just love that thought. I'm chained, but God's word is not chained. I've got limitations in my life, but I serve a limitless God. And if God allows a limitation, a constraint, something in your life. Lockdown is one of the biggest restraints the world has has ever experienced in the last 12 months. But listen, that doesn't limit your influence. It limits your choices, but it doesn't limit your influence. Because your influence is about who you are in God. And when you know who you are in God, you can change things. Uh, You see, this young girl, just by speaking up, it was like touching a domino. Have you, have you seen all those dominoes that, that get lined up? And it just takes a tiny little bit of effort to push that first one, and then something begins to happen. We call it the domino effect. See, this young girl, I just imagine her one day, she's, she's doing the hair of her mistress, you know. They're in there, they're talking together. And as she's doing her hair and making it look good, you know, she's probably heard many times about the grief and the stories of this woman's husband and what a great man he is what an honorable man he is what a brave man he is yet he's got leprosy and she just lets it out one day because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and it just comes oh oh that my master and imagine going to israel a place where you have conquered a place where you are perceived as the enemy a place in a way of hostility. And imagine what this young woman had to overcome. This is the guy whose country took me captive, who robbed me of my family, robbed me of my homeland, robbed me of my place where I had a position and I had a value. And now I'm here as a slave girl. The danger of becoming resentful and bitter. Hey, listen, maybe during this lockdown, Maybe you lost your job. That's a limitation for sure. Hey, are you going to become resentful and bitter? Or are you going to find purpose and find a new way forward? You know, you get to make that choice. You get to choose who you're going to be in this moment. Are you going to be somebody who responds in faith? Or are you going to be somebody who reacts? to your situation, your circumstances. Paul says this. I'm suffering trouble as though I was an evildoer because I'm in prison, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not changed. Now listen to what he goes on to say. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, I'm doing this for the sake of other people that they may obtain salvation. Have you ever thought of it like this? The only way God could heal Naaman is if he allowed a young woman to go into captivity and lose her family, lose her homeland, and lose her freedom. The only way he could do it was to allow that to happen. Have you ever thought that the limitations that are coming into your world and into your life right now that the constraints are not to punish you, but to lead to healing and salvation, deliverance for somebody else. And and if that's true, if, if God could put Joseph into slavery and into Egypt, and Joseph could later on say, God meant it for good to save many lives as it, as it is this day. God looked at the famine that was coming that he saw. He looked at all the people that could potentially die. And then he looked at a 17-year-old young man. He said, if I allow this to happen to this young man, I can position him to be a saviour for nations. Have you ever thought that your limitation is God's design to help define your role in the future? I think if we view it that way, it puts a whole different spin on it. You see, this young woman learned how to flourish in the place of her captivity. Think about that for a moment. She learned how to flourish in the place of her captivity. She didn't speak negatively about Naaman. She didn't speak negatively about the Syrians. She didn't whinge and whine about the loss of her family or the loss of her homeland. She didn't say how difficult it is to learn a new language. She didn't go on and on like this at all. She served in her role, and she must have done it well, because when she spoke up, Naaman's wife listened and told Naaman. And that must have had an impact on him because he then went to the king. And that must have had an impact on him because he wrote a letter. And and that letter had an impact on the king of Israel, not what Naaman was hoping for, but then Elisha stepped in and then God stepped in. Have you ever thought that maybe if you learn to flourish in the place of your captivity, God can release his purpose? just through your simple obedience. The Bible says this in Galatians 6:10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians 6:10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Hey, It doesn't matter what limitations and constraints you're living with right now, God is going to give you opportunities. You can either say yes to that opportunity or you can be so self-absorbed in your own pain and your own resentment and your own disappointment with life that you miss that opportunity because you don't even see it. It doesn't even look like an opportunity to you. It looks like that's the person who made me feel my pain. That's the person who's responsible for why I'm not happy. And you can play the blame game if you want to. And you can you can get into all kinds of conspiracy theories if you want to. It's amazing to me in 2020 how many conspiracy theories are out there. And some people love it. It's like, oh, don't be deceived. You know, we're not going to be deceived. You know, we're not going to have the mark of the beast. You know, oh, my goodness. And I just think, wow, what a distraction what a distraction wherever god places us that's where we're meant to be listen i was somebody who, who who anticipated traveling and doing lots of traveling and being in lots of different places it hasn't happened it hasn't happened but in the constraint i've started writing i think i'm on my fourth book right now and um you know my, my challenge right now is i have to find a publisher and I, I'm praying that God will connect me with the right people for that. But my point is this. Your circumstances don't limit your influence. They help to define it. Are you clear, even in this situation, about what it is God's asking you to do? See, when I couldn't travel anymore, I asked God one question. What's the one act of obedience I can do right now that will release your blessing on my life? Because that's what I need. I need your blessing. And I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, write. Start to write. And and that's what I did. And that's what I have been doing. Let me give you a third and final point here I think is gonna help you. This young woman's faith led to Naaman's healing and to his conversion. It led to his healing and conversion. Now think about this. There is now a believer leading the army of Syria and influencing an ungodly king. There's now a believer leading the army of Syria and influencing an ungodly king. Your faith to speak what you know can lead to someone else's healing and conversion right where you are, right where you are. And here's the thing, it was a long while before this young woman saw the fruit of a casual conversation with Naaman's wife. She just knew he was going on a journey. She just knew, but can you imagine when he came home? Can you imagine his story and the impact of his testimony? Because of his position, he would have had tremendous influence both with the king and with the army and with all the people who knew him. Can you imagine the sense of celebration when he came home? Completely healed and everyone says, how did this happen? And he points to a young woman pouring out drinks for everybody and says, that young girl, she dared to speak up. She dared to tell us that not only was there a God in Israel, but there was a man of God who could bring healing. My wife believed her, and if my wife believed her, I always listened to my wife. I believed her, the king believed her, And I stand before you today healed friends the influence of a nobody if heaven knows your name if heaven ordained your circumstances and sometimes it's hard to believe that heaven did when things happen to us that rob us of money rob us of positions of influence where we think We can be much more influential, rob us of the freedoms that we think we have. This woman, this young woman, had all those things taken away from her, but she still found purpose. She still found peace, and she flourished in the place of her captivity. I think that you and I can do exactly the same thing. And so I want to encourage you. You can be an influencer. Even though people don't necessarily know who you are, they don't know the significance of what you carry, but somehow when we speak words of life and words of truth, the Holy Spirit can take those into somebody's heart and they can have an impact. And as soon as they have an impact, they're starting to have an influence. You see, Jesus, who is the word of life, how did he influence so many people? Well, he brought the kingdom of God wherever he was despite all the limitations that he said yes to. If you and I do exactly the same thing, if instead of complaining about our limitations, we embrace them, God can use us to to bring healing, to bring life, to bring transformation. Let's pray together. Just shut your eyes for a moment and be in receptive mode. Father, for every person who's listening to this message. I thank you that you've called us all to be influencers at one level. This young woman didn't lead an army. She didn't have a position of power. We don't even know what her name is, but heaven knows. Heaven saw her faith, heaven saw her confidence, heaven saw her boldness and salvation and healing came to a significant man of influence. I thank you that we all know the story of Billy Graham, but very few of us know the man who led him to Jesus, but you know. And I thank you that we can be influences wherever we are, whatever circumstances we're in. And so I want to break off people's minds and hearts today, Lord Jesus. I want to break off feelings of insignificance, feelings of um, being overlooked, Feelings of insecurity and uncertainty. Father, I break them off right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that just just like you spoke over Jesus, before he'd done any miracles, before he'd preached any word, right there at his baptism, you declared over his life, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Father, I thank you that heaven declares that over your people today, that we're your children and you're pleased with us. Help us to walk in the fullness and the reality and the blessing of being a son and a daughter of the King of Kings. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, if you're listening online today and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I just want to tell you that God loves you, that God committed that love to a plan and a purpose by sending his son Jesus Christ into the world. Jesus lived a perfect life. He showed us what it meant to live in obedience to a father who loves us he did it to the point where he gave his life for you and for me and the bible tells us his death on the cross was not just a death like any other death during the first century but it was a death that paid for the sins of the world and you and i can receive forgiveness now so if you've never done this before i'd love you to just say a prayer with me right now father in heaven Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross that paid for all my sins. Today, I freely confess that I need your forgiveness. Thank you for the resurrection of Jesus that seals my destiny. I commit my life to Jesus Christ today and freely confess he is my Lord, he is my King, he is my Saviour. Amen hey, if you did that today, can you just let the guys know, go online, just say, hey, I prayed that prayer along with Pastor Peter Frothero and uh, gave my life to Christ and, and we'll love to send you some material, love to get in contact with you, show you the different kinds of things that go on during the week with church. But thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for being online. Uh, bless you in all that you do. And remember, even though People might consider you a nobody. Heaven considers you a somebody, and you can have influence today. God bless you. Shalom. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equipers.co.uk forward I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.